Manchester City are the overdogs of the season. If we want, if we want to be triggered, can say United super team. Ah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what we're doing. I'm dead. That's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what we're doing. <laughs> oh, good. Um, welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. We're back in the New Republic, joined with my co-conspirator everywhere. How are you? I am guilty of nothing. I don't know why she's calling me co-conspirator, but uh, I, I, I plead the Fifth Amendment or whatever amendment that they call it in this new order that they think they're, I don't know. It's it's all a sham. At least Din Djarin would say it's a sham. So, it's a sham. But yeah, I'm okay. I mean, I mean, Palpatine's back. Okay, you want to go down that route? Fine. I will give you your soapbox. Let's have it. Let's have it. Do you know what? I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've been in my head since I watched the episode. I'm like, do we like go through in sequence? Do we go through by big moments? And I was like, no, like, let's get to what everyone wants to talk about, which is the New Republic. What Pershing, what the heck he was doing, what Miss Dang LSK was doing, and the fact that this whole set up a props to John Favreau was to explain as to why Palpatine came back in that disaster of a film back in 2019 that we discussed how much we hated spending money on just in the last episode so I'm gonna go straight into Pershing right what did you think when you saw him rehabilitated mind wiped in a desk job giving lectures and not doing the whole life-saving thing he was trying to do to our little green guy like, what did you think when you saw him again? The whole, what do you say, life-saving thing? Well, his life-saving ah. thing. It wasn't life-saving to me because mm. you were hurting my boy. This is honestly a good example of how the show does an amazing job of expanding on the Star Wars world more than just physically. Um, the amnesty program is a very interesting concept to me because, well, not just because of the good that people feel it's doing for them, but because um, of how subtly draconian it is um, and just borderline dystopian it is really. These people are being surveilled constantly. Um, they're told that they're being given amnesty, but the extent to which people trust them is dependent completely on their perceived value to society. Um, <laughs> there's a good chance that this doctor is getting much better treatment than a lot of other people in the program because of his work, despite his heinous past. I mean, the fact that they have to put the word amnesty in front of their titles and names is practically Orwellian. And those periodic check-ins, uh, you miss me with that. You know, that's, that's, just, that's just a lot. So I don't know how I feel about the way that they're being, quote-unquote, rehabilitated and the fact that it's being referred to as rehabilitation. I do like that they are being given a second chance in any form, though. Um, it's better than, you know, how the Empire probably would have just unalived every single one of them one by one, or maybe all at the same time, depending on how they were feeling. Um, and it's also very interesting that it's happening on Coruscant, but I'm guessing you have lots of thoughts on that. It's not amnesty. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Good. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> I'm trying to not sound like a raging communist right now. <laughs> How are you going to end up being the communist? 
Okay, okay, no, no, let's have it. Let's have it. Let's have it. Trying to radio my politicalness right now. Oh my god. The idea that someone, so everyone involved in that wahala needs to get shagged. Top to bottom needs to get shagged. Because what they did was very mad. <laughs> very mad. Okay. But there's opportunities for second chances. But they took my eyes. You know, look at Finn. My sweet summer child was a stormtrooper. He was for sense. Actually, I'm not getting into the whole Finn thing because I'm going to start talking about how she'd been the protagonist, but it's a conversation for a different day. But Finn was a stormtrooper and he became, and, but he was innately a good person, right? Uh-huh. So such a thing's going to happen. Stranger things can happen, you know? Stranger I, things have definitely happened. Stranger things have definitely happened in Star Wars. I mean, look at Boba Fett in his show. I mean, you weren't exactly... Actually, not Boba Fett. Bad Batch lot. Look at my dogs. Like, they were wired. They were to be wired to be evil. Mm-hmm. And they saved my little kids. Do you know what I mean? So, second choices can happen, right? You can change. Mm-hmm. Things can happen. You know, you, people can reject the empire and stuff, and it's fine. The issue is, is where you treat someone better due to their position. A stormtrooper, someone low in the ranks, and that doctor. The doctors should be, like, I'm not, the doctor is actually worse. Because you are at the Most very, definitely. very, 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 very top of this heinous mafia, space mafia. You're a head honcho. You are the most one of the most powerful people involved who weren't in a leader position. You hold all the cards, you hold all the intelligence, and you are probably the biggest indicator of anything. Like you're you're literally their like main chess piece. You know, you're their queen. Key to their operation. They're key to the operation. So I understand why they treated him well because you kind of need him on side. So there's a double-edged sword of that. You kind of want to punish him, but at the same time, you've got to keep him slightly on side that you can sway him to your side. But at the same time, like, nah, look what he did to Grogu. Yeah, exactly. And notice how the people of the quote-unquote New Republic aren't saying, we forgive you for what you did. They're just saying, I'm glad you're working for us now. Yeah, you're useful for what you, it's sort of like um okay, I can't believe I'm using DMC in this. It's not like what was the name of the doctor in uh, Captain America? The Nazi one. Who helped Cap in in Captain America. I don't remember his yeah, name, but I know um, who you mean. Like Stanley Tucci there, isn't it? Um but he was innately good and he liked Steve. Because Steve was innately good. So he wanted to use his intelligence, his works for a good reason. I'm not getting it from these lot. These lot are just a diluted version of what Palpatine and Gideon and Denman were. Like, it's very draconian. It's very much, you're not, ang- okay, it's not like Obi-Wan. You know, the true genuine Jedis who were seeking democracy and good, like Mace and Obi-Wan and, um, what's his, now his name's gone out. Yoda. And it's really a, Yoda. The other one is Liam Neeson. Why can I not remember his name? Qui-Gon Jinn. There we go. And, you know, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. They'll come for you. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't oh, do it. I wanted, to, I wanted to say it so bad. And Ahsoka and early Anakin. Very early Clone Wars Anakin. It's not these guys. Thank you for the clarification. I had to very clarify where I was there. I'm talking Attack of the Clones, you know, Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. Anakin. We're not talking what he was doing in the other one yet. We're not there and Rinch the Ziff. 
but they're not wanting democracy for genuine good. They're in the position of, we don't like the fact you have power. We want your power. It's not okay. We want to dismantle this thing for good and then create a democracy. This is no democracy. A real democracy will have an amnesty program where, of course, you're going to have to try these people who did bad things, but at the same time, give them the free will to choose. Because regardless, Prussian didn't choose to be good. You basically strong-armed him to be on your side. He didn't choose to be on your side, which means he can still be swayed. Yeah. To go on the other side. Especially since he still believes that his work was Was done for good. Correct. And you're trying to do the whole, someone even said an X-Factor sub story. Oh, but my ma... And da, 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 da. I don't care about your mom. <laughs> don't care. Wow. That's not a substantial reason to do what you did. It's like if a dictator said, like, imagine if, like, oh, I can't think of one. I'm not using the Austrian guy. But imagine a genocidal maniac comes out the and Austrian says, Austrian guy. Oh my God, I'm using like him. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> the Austrian guy. That's actually really, really good because half the people will not even know what you mean, no, but they know what you mean, mean, but they don't but they know, know what you mean. mean. That's good. That's real good. But, but imagine like a genocidal maniac dictator, insert anyone you think of right now, saying the reason why I've killed all these people because of my mum. You blood. What explanation is that? <laughs> It's pretty wild, yeah. It's pretty wild. Considering what they were doing and like he was do- like the work involved cloning, it it kind that's of that's the thing. It's the cloning. It's yeah. the that's how I knew you're not at your redemption yet. You're not there. We're at the first stage. We're on the first step. So it was like it was in the whole draconian nature of the spy. It felt. I'm probably because I've watched the 9-11 documentary recently, but it felt like, you know how the amped up security post 9-11, the NCA, the NSA, and everyone was being more hyped up and everyone was watching people more, listening to conversations more. It felt like the New Republic was well, much like, okay, like we've got to have boots and ears on the ground. We've got to make sure that there'll be no dissent here to the very extent that you've now removed free will. You've given people what they presume is free will but they don't have free will. These people don't have the free will to make a decision to have a second chance. They've been compelled and convinced by you that they think they've changed, but have they really? Mm -hmm. Not to the extent, because it's not like in the Bad Batch when they were like, you know what, like this thing we're doing is not right. Or like Rex, when Rex was like, you know what, this thing isn't right. It's not right. I want to fight for a good thing. He's not, he's not there. there, That's not what I felt watching it. So when you were talking about the draconian nature of it, that's where, you know, my head was going with it. Because I'm like, well, there's a lack of free will. This basically feels like what it was before, just painted white. And a little bit different. Yeah. Dr. Do Too Much, as I like to call him, is definitely a sucker for punishment. Um, He was clearly being baited. And I do like the way they framed things, kind of making us have a little bit of... slight sympathy for him. I think a lot of people might not even necessarily remember all the stuff that he did. But I mean, I have to hand it to his friend Elena. I don't even know if we should be calling him, calling her his friend, but it's just, she probably was thinking, wow, I thought this was going to be a long assignment, but you know, this guy's job is just expediting this process for me. I knew she was a snitch. I always knew from the beginning she was a snitch. She, she has never done anything good in her life. And she looks like a psycho. And I actually, I also love the, 
like when, when she led him there, she knew everything that was going on. I'm like, wow, this is so elaborate. Like, have you ever seen somebody go through such lengths to frame somebody like and be right by their side? And then she collected the thing from him. It just makes me wonder, like, I mean, we probably can't get, even get into it too much today because there's still so much to be revealed. But it's like, why is she doing this? Like, what is her reason? Who is um, directing her towards this? And why is she collecting all this stuff? Why did they need that Gideon. equipment? Was it just, was, was it to punish? Yeah, but was it to punish him? Or was it to advance Gideon? Like, is this uh, like to tie up loose ends in terms of the doctor? Or is this specifically to do something else, maybe involving Gideon and then Pershing, the doctor, is um, is just a liability, something that they're kind of using as collateral for that. I mean, I'm going to refrain from like calling her, you know, anything too harsh, but like since you know you are a psychologist and the listeners and I are very lucky to have a real life psychologist here. I mean, would you like to weigh in? Like is she a sociopath? Is she a psychopath? Is, or is she just mean? Do you know what? She's just mean. <laughs> she's just like she's a very cruel person. I was watching her and she's, you know, in recess, Randall. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe she was giving me. I'm like, you're a snitch. Don't know what. Bro, the way she was eating that biscuit. Like a wicked person. <laughs> she just... she, she's eating like she's never eaten before. I was like, mm, this is eating like Bruh. a guilty person. I just, yeah. my spirit wasn't taken to her. Like, this was God telling me my impression. Something isn't right here. You're watching a wicked, wicked person. But I was like, nah, like, they can't do this to me. At that point, that's the only time I pitied him when he got stitched. Mm-hmm. When he got stitched, I was like, I mean, you got me feeling sorry for Grogu's tor- tormentor. Like, this isn't, this wasn't the plan. This isn't the way. Like, this I didn't ask how it was supposed to go. This ain't how it's supposed to go. <laughs> I said, no, man. Like, you know, but like, I was just watching her. And I was like, I don't know what is it. But I think this is an elaborate plot. I don't think we've seen the last of Gideon. Mm-hmm. She specifically Definitely. used them to get all that equipment. Like, all that lab yeah. stuff. She's trying to help Gideon. I think Gideon has either escaped, is planning to escape. I don't know what he's doing, but I think she's helping him out. I think she's like, what's that? I'm trying to think of a, like, you know, sort of like in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson's uh-huh. character, like she's sort of like yeah. inside the New Republic. So she's so well in yeah. that she's going to really entrenched. Her, like, these guys think, like, got a foot soldier here. Like, yeah, I mean, who's going to? Yeah, I mean, who's who's going to like challenge them w- when they have such people like planted in different places? Because right? this was places. such an elaborate scheme. Um, I was watching that, and I was like, "This is." Gee, I was watching. I'm like, "Damn, this is so Gideon. You smart. I can think if Gideon, you feel up to this. This is incredible. This is a smart." I remember when I was watching Revenge of the Sith as an adult, like a fully realized adult, and not as the kid I was when it came out. And I watched mm-hmm. it and I'm like, you know what, Palpatine, I'll, I'll, I'll give you it. I'll give you it. That's very smart. That's very smart. <laughs> and you've really got in a monster. Yeah. Yeah, like, there are lots of tense. callbacks. Yeah. The, lots of callbacks yeah, that's to not just felt, Revenge of the Sith, but like a bunch of the other earlier movies too. And from the Yeah, when they were the eating the little popsicles, where they were. Yeah. And thought, even wow. those drinks, like the, the production design is just on point, you know, like, um, and of course, it's a trap. Which ju- actually made me laugh out loud. Um, I feel like people don't even know. For anybody who doesn't understand, like there is this, there's this Star Wars meme where um, Admiral Akbar, right, 
um, who is this guy that's like he's basically like a Mon Calamari. It's those and the spe- is a, is a species of um, the person who was doing using the mind flare on Doctor Pershing at the end, right? The guys who look kind of like lobsters, but also like squids. Um, yeah. So there is a guy, a very popular character from from the movies, who at one point they got into like an ambush or something, and then he turns around and goes, "It's a trap." <laughs> and there's you may or may not have seen the Star Wars meme where like an octopus-looking guy or like a fish-looking guy is just shouting, "It's a trap." So anytime you see his face, even if you don't see the words, like that's what the person is trying to say. And I can't believe they actually use that meme because Pershing was like, "It's a trap," and then the doctor goes, "Huh." Like, he actually turns his head, and I, I just thought that was... I was like, wow, you guys are playing too much now. A man is, is, is on the verge of death here. But um, moving on to other callbacks, I think one of the bigger ones actually is, well, you know, Coruscant, which is famous in Star Wars for being a planet that is entirely a city. Like, the entire planet is a city. They refer to it by... Um, well, they have a word for that um, in Star Wars universe, and they use that here in this episode, Ecumenopolis. Um, it said that Coruscant has a trillion permanent residents, which is mind blowing. But yeah, like lots of stuff happened on Coruscant. Any quick things you wanna you wanna tell the people about Coruscant before we talk about our actual Mandalorian friends? When I saw that pops quack, a tear dropped from my eye. I was like, oof. We're taking yeah, it back. It's <laughs> no, uh it's it's definitely fun to see all the stuff. It was so fun to see the actual city and yeah. Um, them walking in it. it do you know what? Do you remember the episode of, of um, Obi-Wan when Obi-Wan was walking in um, the city and he was just um, with little Leia? Yeah. Yeah, it, it reminded me of that a little bit. God, this is so nice. And then all the little callbacks, like the buildings and stuff, even the topic of conversation. To be honest, as soon as this, I saw Coruscant, my, I don't think for about 10 minutes I wasn't paying attention because I kept geeking out. You were just mesmerized by city lights. Because I did, I never wow. really thought that we'd see this not in, not in The Mandalorian I ever thought it would happen. Never in a million years I would have ever ever thought we would see Coruscant on The Mandalorian so I was, it, was, it was a bit of a like oh. It's full of surprises. It's definitely evidence of you know what we were alluding to earlier about how this series is expanding. Like it's becoming more sprawling epic than contained Western. And and, and I, I like I like seeing that. Um actually, I, I wouldn't actually the film wanted to work with me and you talk about this before we started recording and we said we'll talk about it here. What do you think about this elaborate plot of it explaining why Palpatine came back? <laughs> because I was watching you know, it and I'm like, you guys are just trying to find a way to you know, explain. You, I th- I think you have a point. It's possible that this is them kind of trying to retcon. And if they are retconning, I say, go for it. You know, if you can figure out a way to put in a reasonable explanation for why certain things happened that probably should not have happened, then, you know, more power to you. As long as it makes sense, make it make sense. People who come later on, at least will have a better explanation of it. They're not going to have to like, like people who watch any of this stuff later on, whether it's the movies or this show, they're not going to be wondering like what's happening. They're going to have an explanation right there ready for them. So if it makes sense, great. But all I'll say is don't mess up again. Like if you're going to go down this right, this route and bring this up, don't make it worse. That's all I'm going to say. Do not make it worse. Simple yeah, as I was that. watching it and I was like, it, it popped into my head and I'm like, they're trying to explain Palpatine going back mm-hmm. a little bit. 
Yeah. Because I, I, I just kept watching it, especially with the cloning and and everything. And I just say, you're trying to find the next relation. Because I remember, I'm going to take everyone back. Let's take everyone back to 2019. Don't know where you were. I was in my last year of university in Nottingham. I okay. Paid, I paid £10 to go and watch this film. I was mm-hmm. excited a little bit, but I wasn't that excited because I watched the train and I saw Palpatine and I was like, I'm going to come into mess. How much mess will I come into? Who knows? And I remember sitting there and I heard the laugh and I saw his nails for the first time in about, how old was I when I watched Benjamin Sif? Uh, 2005. So I was seven. I watched, I was 21 when The Rise of Skywalker came out. So that's what, 14 years later, I saw him later. And I was fuming. Fuming. Last time, I, last time I saw you, you were dead. I don't, yeah, I don't blame you. I, I literally, I was probably just watching that and thinking, cap. Like, I was like, there's no way. Like, this cannot be real. Like, or it is real and you guys are just jokers. I don't know. I just, I don't even think about it too much anymore. I, I, I think, I think at this point, if people, if people, it, it's good if people accept it because, you know, then they don't have to, Let them expect they this don't have to deal with any inconsistencies. John Favreau, well done. That's what I'm going to say. Well done. Yes. Because if, if honestly, that explanation, whatever he's trying to do, it's, it, I, it makes sense a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. like, you, you made, have, like, not, you made a five star meal out of two star ingredients. I'll give it to you. I hope I was pleasant. Yeah. Surprised. Okay, fair enough. The man is skilled. Um, the man is skilled. Yes. But you're yeah, right John about Favre. the expanding world before oh. we go into Din and all his little friends uh-huh. and stuff. But I think, I yeah. don't know about you, but it felt like I was watching Andor again. A little bit, yeah. Just because of, I I, I definitely, especially visually, that place where the doctor has his office. Yes. I was like, wow, like, who did I see here? What? Like, there's just so many, there's so many callbacks, all these different properties. And, you know, like I said, it's it's interesting that they're kind of making it feel like different parts of one gigantic show. Um, but, but yeah, that was, that was cool. That was cool to, to witness because they're making connections that are subtle connections that just, you know, like add up. It's like, of course, this thing would be in this place at this time type of thing. Yeah. Let's talk about the lead guy and his new co-star. Because Bo-Katan generally is Beast Coat lead, to be honest. Interesting. That's how you want to see it. I mean, I, I thought it was, I thought it was um, sensible. And well, I had a strong feeling really that the episode would be structured in the way it was, you know, having them at the beginning, because I, I had a feeling that Pershing would be in the episode since they talked about people yeah. like seeking um, amnesty. Um, so I figured they would kind of sandwich it, which they did. So it kind of leaves you wondering what the real connections are. You know, I'm guessing the best place to start is the title of the episode, um, which, by the way, was written by John Favreau and Noah Clore and directed by Lee Isaac Chung. Um, the episode is called Mind The Mind of Minari. If you've never seen it, please, I implore you, watch it. Yep. I think The Convert stands in contrast to the title of episode, uh, episode one, chapter 17, which is The Apostate. Um, it makes sense that they would run into that covert from episode one, or rather that they would run there, um, to escape. Um, I had a feeling that the convert in question would be Bo-Katan, but it also refers to the doctor most likely, except that he's being converted against his will. Exactly. And in a sense, Bo-Katan is being converted against her her will will. too, but like she's not being forced to doing, to, to, to do anything. 
I think that's a thematic connection that they want us to make. This is kind of about, you know, free will and the exploration of belief and allegiance. I think over time, Bokatan might actually come to accept these core beliefs of the way as her own. In a sense, it's beautiful how the armor is so technical. You know, as long as you meet all the basic requirements, she just accepts you. She's like, were you in the water? Yes. Have you taken off your helmet? No, you're good. You're good. You join us. Whether or not you want to be one of us, you're one of you're us. One of us. You know, Paz Vizla uh, clearly doesn't trust them yet because he's a bit more um, of a skeptical guy. But he's like, where's I, the water? Yeah, exactly. I knew that that water when he when he when um Din collected the water, I was like, okay, that's definitely a smart idea. But then it got me thinking, like, isn't it wild how they don't have cameras in Star Wars? Like all this futuristic space tech. Complete with holograms, and we've never seen anyone hold the lens. Like, tell me why we're not watching a show where this guy can just pull out something with the lens, take a picture of these waters, and be like, "Look, I was here." Instead, he has to like carry water. That's just so dramatic. What if if Grogu accidentally drank that as well? Exactly. Though I I feel like he would know not to. He's learning, but yeah, back in the day, he definitely would have done that. Um, Speaking of which, she didn't tell him about the Mythosaur. Is she shady after all, or does she simply not? Like, she just wants to stay in denial because this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted to talk to you about. So I thought I was waiting for her. Like, are you gonna tell him? Are you gonna tell him? Because this is the one thing. Like, if, if okay, let's let's put this up me and you, right? If you saw, for so example, I have a weird theory that I think the Loch Ness monster is real. I don't know that I've got nothing to back me up here. But if I ever How saw very it, English of you. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> actually, the Scottish would be very angry if you heard that cheap. I know it's English of you to think it's real because the Scottish firmly believe it's not. (laughs) It does. Maybe some Scots believe it. Small part of me, I'm like, if I ever saw it, I'd be okay. I'm not heavily believing in it. I'm not a fully full believer. But if I saw it, I wouldn't be that surprised. And then if you saw Mm -hmm. it, and then you didn't tell me, then I found out you didn't tell me. I'd be fuming. I thought, what? I'd be like, why would you hide why would something you like hide that? Something like, like, what, why are you being so shady? What is, what is your deal? What what's is your, your deal? What is your agenda? Like, what's your agenda here? Because I kept thinking that I think Bo-Katan is stuck in two minds, right? Mm-hmm. She likes Grogu. He don't like her. Okay. And then I think she likes Din genuinely as a person. His morals uh-huh. and everything. She respects him at the She respects least. him. I think she, he reminds her of her dad. I think that's why she respects him. However, she wants power. Thinks she knows the only way to get into the position she wants to get into and wield the dark saber and actually be the, the ruler of Mandalore and be who you want to be is you've got to, got to rub some elbow grease. You've got to get yourself a monster in there. And if you've got these people on sides, then you'll be able to oust Din. Because the only thing Din had against her was that he had, regardless of what he did in his sin, now that he's been purged, obviously he's now purged and he's clean, but pre-purging, um, he always had the respect of everyone else due to the way he's been raised. I think she knew that the, I need everyone on side here for me to rule. I, I don't think she's fully converted. I think Persian's probably converted more than she has, to be honest. I mean, I they flayed his mind, so yes. She, yeah, they flayed his mind, so yeah, now he's fully, fully there. But <laughs> but I don't think Bo-Katan is... I, I think she's still got a lot of 99.9% of her resistance there, and I think it'll come to a point where 
there's going to be a bit of a power play between um, her respecting Din and mm-hmm. not wanting to step on his toes like that. But at the same time, she wants to be in a position of power. She wants what he has. And it'll take time, for it would, sure. It will take time because I think the fact that they sort of positioned her to sort of be the co-star alongside Din, because the way I ended the episode, I'm like, ah, oh, you're, you're the co-lead. It's you right. and him and Grogu. Okay. Um, obviously, it, she's slightly below. You're not on the same level. You know, Din's my, Din's my guy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, if I'm going to pick someone, I'm going to pick him and Grogu over anyone else. But I feel it was very yeah. interesting how she didn't tell him because that because I think in her head she, I don't know the way she thinks I don't, I don't know if she thinks by telling him she's strengthening his position more because he's always believed in these things he's always had these beliefs in the mythical more fancy elements yeah. of Mandalore and she never has and if she tells him that she's she's seen it nice but like, oh so you the skeptic has now also seen it which means then I think in a way it would probably make Din think maybe I am meant to be in this position Maybe I was positioned to be here and this is actually my duty and I need to follow up to it. Because I'm like, there's got to be a, some weird, there's got to be a reason as to why you didn't tell him. Because Boba Fett would have told him in that position. Um, yeah, but Boba Fett is different. I think Boba Fett is, I don't know, he, he's a different type of person and he's he's always looking out for um, people that might be his allies. Whereas like Bo-Katan, I mean, sure, she looks out for her allies, but she is a little bit more um, subdued in what she's willing to kind of reveal in terms of her cards. I think she likes having a little bit of um, of power and she likes having something that she that she can use. And that's just like in her nature. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes for sure, because I, I like that they're forming this little, um, I guess, alliance and this little mini family slash camaraderie unit with the the three of them and i guess r5d4 the droid too um still though like it it shines in the way they fight and these people died well almost died quite a few times in the first few minutes of this episode (laughs) um i think denjarin really knows how to use the starfighter and that was really fun to see like he knows how to maneuver knows how like he that was that was nice to see him who's anakin in this game he right? said, he said, that let's have some fun. Literally, like, yeah, he was really using everything to his advantage. I mean, I don't think I've seen anybody use, like, pilot like that in a long time. And, you know, Bokatan was a great pilot, too. Like, that thing she was flying was not necessarily easy to, to fly in that kind of combat. So, I think, there, I think it's nice to see the two Mandalorians that we know are, you know, skilled at fighting, actually fighting I, together. Even that the was, direction nice. of those scenes, in the air, on the ground back into hyperspace like the way it was done i want yeah. i want him to direct i hope he's i don't i'm gonna check if he's directing more of the episodes that was perfect that the visual was, effects were crazy directing on point they've got budget. everything like the storyboarding mad it was just so good to see even i, I mean even the fact that when he when he dropped off the ship right to get to his own and like he with the fact that he landed a little bit haphazardly like when he got off yeah. the jetpack like it was nice to see that physics is still a thing here. That best car isn't plot armor. You know, I I love to to see these things being put to good use. And you know, it wasn't easy for them. They triumphed, but then her place gets bombed. And I really want to know who's who was trying to get them. Like who this, bombed who that bombed? castle in Kalavala? Who bombed? I don't know. Like it's 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 really 
it's it's something I I'm I'm not sure we will be getting soon. I mean, maybe maybe in the next episode, but I think it's a big point. But um, as far as highlights go, I mean, that was a low point for her. But as far as highlights go, you know, being accepted back with the Mandalorians, whether or not she wanted to, I think is probably a good thing for her. And you know, for us, you know, we did get Grogu kind of saying, "This is the way." Did he almost say you yes. have his first words? Yes, he went. That was um, when he said it. Even that was I, something. I paused. And I rewound in 10 seconds back and said, did you just say, as in, this is the way? Because even Dim was like, <laughs> was like, wait, like, did you, did you? <laughs> like, did you see that? Did you hear that? Am I going back? Am I going back? <laughs> <laughs> it's the way he was broken up. Yeah, like, yeah, that, that was, that was good. No, nah, he's too cute. Oh. It's about time he started talking. He's like 50 years old. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where things go with that. We can probably stop for now. Yeah. And, um. Have everyone go listen to a bunch of the other things that have been covered recently, including your, I don't know how you've been going into the mind of Joe Goldberg. I don't know how you're okay, but you know, everybody should go listen to Priscilla talk about you and, um, and Cocaine Bear as well, which I mean, everybody knows she wants to fight a gorilla now, but I think, <laughs> I think that you need to answer for your crimes, but definitely everybody should definitely listen to, to that. I watched the movie, um, Cocaine Bear apparently. Grows twenty eight million dollars globally in its opening weekend. So it, it's it's so, a yeah. very very just think Winnie the Pooh on coke and then watch it. That's what that's that's even scarier than than the cocaine bear. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just is. Uh, but yeah, I guess we're just gonna hand it off to our our football correspondents um, at AFC Richmond as they bring you in on the season three premiere of Ted Lasso, the go final Lasso, season. Go Let's Lasso. see how things go. Down with West Ham. Oh, can't wait. First of all, always down with West Ham. It was always down with it's West Ham. It's always down with West before Ham. Ted Lasso. But it's down with West Ham even more. <laughs> Ugh, Nate the Green. We ain't team like Nate, Nate here. The hate. We Rubbish. ain't team Nate here. Oh, God. Whatever. Anyway, Abel Karen do over to you. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on what time you're listening. Welcome to Popcorn for Dinner's Ted Lasso weekly coverage i'm joined by fellow producer chinedu heji chinedu what's happening hi everyone i'm good i'm good how are you man i'm i'm fantastic man i'm happy to be here i haven't recorded in a while i haven't been with the same actually i haven't been with the lads from richmond for a while so all in all (laughs) it's good it's going to be a good day yeah yeah um i'm excited um Looking forward to the next couple episodes from the season and seeing how uh, you know this wraps up. I'm I'm just going to jump straight into it because you said seeing how this wraps up. So, how do we? If you had to guess, how do we see this season panning out? Like three seasons is kind of short. I love Ted Lasso. I love all the characters in Ted Lasso. I could be with these guys for ten years, realistically. Like there's an endless yeah. amount of football stories they could tell. Yeah. But sadly, yeah. the premise of the show and with the way they open the season with him having to say goodbye to his son means that he's going to have to make a decision at the end of the season. Yeah. And if I can yeah. guess, I would say he would pick, to, he would choose to be with his son. But what? how do you see them playing that out for the rest of the season? How do you see them playing that conflict within Coach Ted on whether to go with his son or be with his team, basically? Um, that's actually a very good point. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, part of me thinks 
I was wondering if the show is going to give us a fairy tale of like a Premier League run, seeing as all the pundits, all the pundits put them down for relegation and then he wins it for his son. And then maybe he can come back for like a, on a high of, you know, because you know how his son said, um, you, you might as well try. I don't know if that's the quote exactly word for word, but yeah, he said, you might as well try to win it. So I don't know if that's just me being like a, an idealistic merchant or, <laughs> but if that's possible, but yeah, that's, that's one way I'd like to see the show go, but it might be too sweet. Oh, I, I, I also had that thought. I thought, could they be setting us up for the impossible? Could they be setting us yeah, up like for the Leicester, you know? And, and exactly. And that's the thing is like, because of how, realistic Ted Lasso has been so far and the fact that this show hasn't been shy to end the season on a disappointing result (laughs) not one single Ted Lasso fan is bold enough to guess that they will win the Premier League but at the same time this is TV we're talking about like it would be a very good TV (laughs) because you have to think about it like this like Ted Lasso has a lot of fans who are football fans but Ted Lasso also has fans who are not football fans so there are people who probably don't understand how impossible it would be for Richard to win the Premier League (laughs) especially especially in the league with overdogs like Manchester United (laughs) (laughs) but really how how come we never hear about the overdog Trinidu like in the world of football it's always the underdog why don't we ever hear about the overdog because their fans are everywhere man Oh the yeah, fans are everywhere. As yeah, so <laughs> they like to paint themselves as the underdogs, but really and truly, in the footballing world, they're the overdogs. Exactly, and like, they should be challenging week in week out. Exactly, you've got a super team with immense football history, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I I I don't see them winning the Premier League. It would be beautiful. Like even with, it feels like. Everything in the show is telling us they're setting that up. Like with the pundits, with his son giving him the trophy, yeah. his son telling him he might as well try, and him saying he has to finish what he started, right? So it could be a case of winning the Premier League. It could be a case of finishing fourth and kicking West Ham out of the Champions League places. So who knows? I'm excited though, because whatever they do, I know it'll be heart-wrenching. Even if they win or if they lose, then... But I know they won't have a no. bad season. Yeah, for real. Like, to be fair, even I feel like already the storylines that I've seen come out of it, I'm already looking forward to it. Like, regardless of how like Richmond do in the prep, like in the league. Um, so like we're we're looking at Rebecca versus Rupert, yes. um, like Nate's development or lack thereof. <laughs> um yeah, um Ted and his son. You know, there's so many things as well. And even um, Roy, Roy and his niece, you know, and uh, where they go from there with his relationship. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of things to be excited about for this season. Not even just like Richmond's run in the league. So I feel like they have a free, the writers have a free run or whatever they want to do just because there's so many things that's going to keep us like interested this season. Um, well, definitely for, for me, I'm going to be interested in all those like subplots for sure. 
Spe- speaking of Nate, do you see a redemption arc for Nate, or do you think he's just going to be, you know, a villain to the end? Of- Is Nate even a villain? I feel like Nate needs to probably see Ted's therapist. He's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> yeah, Nate has some issues. He's a scary man. He cares about Twitter too much. He cares about Twitter too much, man. Always on Twitter after every move that he makes. Yeah. Oof. So yeah. some some people have that problem, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to drop some names? <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> we'll, we'll just focus on Nate Shelley. But yeah, um, I don't know if I see any developments for him. I think to be fair, he's he's a bit like without the spitting actually there's been some spitting in football but he's the kind of character that you see in football every time um maybe not to the extremes like you know calling telling people to get out of the office like immediately they get in but he's definitely a character that's needed in football you know you don't need the um for someone like ted that's the happy go lucky coach there's always every nate there's always a nate in the corner good so, good Good yeah, coach, bad I, I think, coach. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think I like Nate as is. I don't want to see him develop anymore. Oh, um, no, but Nate needs some development. Come on. He does need Do not encourage. Yeah, do not encourage sure. this. He needs, he needs. I don't know how, though. See, yeah. But bad guys keep winning. He's gotten a promotion. He has a. Was that a Bentley that they got for him? Yeah, I, don't, I didn't even look at the spec of the car, but I knew it was like. Seven times more expensive than older, if not ten. Bro, I was like, I might need to spit some more, man. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, this guy, this guy went from being a kids man to, but that's that's interesting. Like, I wonder why he doesn't have any empathy or a little more humble, considering where he started off. It's exactly. So I think no, I think he's gonna think... come back. You think so? Yeah, or they're going to make up him and Ted. Ted Lasso has never been able to keep a grudge or have a fight. Well, if he's if he's gonna come back, so where does that leave West Ham? <laughs> Maybe that's going to be the climax of the season. Nate's leaving Fair West Ham before an important game. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Just because with the way this episode went, I see them setting up. Rupert as the big big bad of the season so he yeah so he I think this will be the season where he's most involved like he's always been a little bit of a prick not a little bit he's always been a prick so this season I think we're going to see him try and manipulate Nate until Nate reaches breaking point and then crawls back into Coach Ted's arms Coach Ted, ever the forgiving, kind man. Ted Classel, as you can say, would accept him. That 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 press conference was was really good. Um, Nate's or Ted's? Um, Ted's actually. But to be fair, both of them, because I love the McNicholas cameo. In, in <laughs> Shout Nate's. out Gunner blog. Shout out Gunner Blog for real. <laughs> nah, but even the question, the way he delivered it was like I was listening to Askcast all over again. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so like, it was so James, man. Like he couldn't have delivered it more like him. 
But yeah, that was a very good cameo for like Arsenal fans to just see. And then Nate had some brilliance. Like, if there's one thing, Nate has to be the coach of his own club if it's just for the presses. Like, I I was I wish so bad my rivals were in a relegation scrap. So I could tell them they're going to come twentieth only because there's no twenty first in the league. <laughs> Oh man, don't worry. Next season, you'll be able to tell United that. I'm joking. <laughs> please, no. they'll, please. they'll never be twentieth. <laughs> please, the world, the world isn't that good. If only, <laughs> if only. <laughs> but yeah, no. Nah, he he. The press conference from from like Ted and Nate, they were good in their own like ways. Yeah. Obviously, Nate like just showing like this guy's. Is he's truly a villain, you know? James gave it to him, and he gave it right back. Like I hate yeah. to see like smart guys like you ask ah, so questions. dumb questions. <laughs> that's what I think. I think that's Nate's though. Like in a nutshell, that's Nate's. I think Nate has a chip on his shoulder. That's the only reason why he's yeah. not nice. He doesn't want to be like yeah. Ted because he doesn't have the luxury to be nice. And like this can go yeah. into you know further discussion or analysis, but. Nate has to be a certain way to prove to people that he should be where he is and that he's not just a charity case. So, like, these are issues for him to work out with his therapist, like you said, but I, I understand mean, it. Fair, it's it's a good show, like, talking about, like, the chip on the shoulder and thinking back to, like, his development and you saying there might be, like, a redemption for him. There actually might because he regards like the opinion of his dad very highly and you know even with this um no more nice guy that he is his dad was still disappointed in him yeah so it might just be like some reflection that like you know what i need to just be my true self like there's no impression of me that you know will cater to everybody if that makes sense like like you know even whatever like tirade he goes on or whatever rant or whatever that he does there's still like different opinions of him on twitter that he checks and even his dad like we've just seen that he cares about people's opinions and no matter what he does there's nothing that's met with a fully positive light so that might just be the redemption for him i don't know if he will see this but word to nate please (laughs) if you're if you're listening to this like yeah don't care about people's opinions. There's nothing that would ever be met to the positive, fully positive light. Well, Nate, Chinedu has some message for you that will let you move on and grow as a person. But speaking of Nate and his need for acceptance or need for the approval in the public eye, I wonder if we're going to see a popular Twitter account pop up on Ted Lasso this, this year. <laughs> I, I no names, no names. I'm just saying, like, there's lots of candidates, don't you think? Like, if they wanted to par- make a parody of anyone on football Twitter, I'm sure there's people they could find significant enough people, or not people I'm like rubbing my chin <laughs> trying to think of someone. Oh, I know, I know a few that mm. like mm. they could make a they could make a parody of. <laughs> no, no free promo on popcorn for dinner, but. Bro, they they could they could be a or e or a dossiana like or a conspiracy theorist like that's convinced that Nate is copying his tactics. We need 
on there, bro. Oh, versus Ted Lasso. It has to be cooked. <laughs> Imagine the cooking of Ted Lasso. Permanently negative. He could win a game and it'll, it'll be like, get you fucking American. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, now we need that. We actually need that. I need that. We need that. We need that. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. No, if I wonder what else from real life is going to be in the Ted Lasso season. Because they usually have, like, there was there was actually a reference to something from real life in this episode that I'm struggling to remember right now. Need a Wilf Zaha, need a Wilf Zaha cameo. Cameo, yes, heritage. yes. Like a cameo from a real player. It could be a real West Ham player. It could be... Zaha and Jamie. Yeah. Having it all for who's the main man. <laughs> I need them to grab somebody I'd on loan. I'd love to see that. Well, they bring in Grealish for real this time. Yes. Grealish for real? Are you trying to say Jamie is a Grealish parody? <laughs> no, but that... <laughs> Uh, something something that I noticed this season was, well, he had like three lines, but you could tell that he's more of a, uh, I'm going to sound so Yadar right now, but he's more of a leader, not just in terms of like the talent, but like they actually listen to him. Fair, fair, like, yeah. Yeah. Jamie, Jamie yeah. is... <sighs> Jamie's another... That's, that's a... Oh, yeah. That's just one of... Ted's lessons. See, the thing is, like, I love every one of Ted's lessons because I think they're actually, you know, relevant and sensible. But I just, I, I can feel myself being very frustrated with them if I was on the team. I would be like, so oh, you, this guy has started again. Wh- where would you, where would you rank Ted Lasso Sewer? Yes. Ted Lasso Believe. Okay. Ateta's light bulb. <laughs> Ateta's drawing. Okay. C- okay. <laughs> Confession, I've never seen the light bulb. I don't know what is signified, but the drawing... Oh, man, you're missing... Oh, yeah, that's true. You've never watched a documentary. The drawing, <laughs> I have seen. And the drawing is hilarious. But I would have to say Ted Lasso sewer scene is, like, number one. Like, in terms of every... The way he says your brains are these whatever like i can't remember how he puts it and like they're clogged up and you need to let them flow that's number one sorry number one ted lasso phenomenal motivator of men i know right comes up with classics time and time again but i don't know if you want to if you want me to explain the bulb to you Ah, to be fair i can't remember (laughs) it but he just basically brought in the bulb and it was lit and he was saying how yeah energy the ball ah, gives off energy. I so see. he needs the team to have energy. Come on, look at Arteta. My Serious coach idea. my coach in STEM. <laughs> <laughs> was the ball plugged in or was it just... No, don't make me ugly laugh on this <laughs> one, man. <laughs> my coach in STEM. Where is that energy? Some people see this as lights. I see it as energy. <laughs> Come on, Mikhail. Oh, man. <laughs> Some people see this as sewers. I see it as meditation. Exactly. You have to block out everything that's clogging your mind and let's just let's, let it flow. Let it flow. Yeah, I'm going to think of that. Anytime I, um, I'm getting anxious, I'll just think of a sewer. I actually, I actually needed that. <laughs> I actually needed that today. <laughs> so I'm just going to go about the rest of my day with thoughts of a sewer. 
But yeah, before before we wrap up, is there anything you're particularly looking forward to? Oh, this was something I was going to ask. Is there anything you want them to improve or get better at this year in Ted Lasso? Anything you want to see? I already know my answer. That's why I asked the question. I'll let you go first since you already know your answer. I want them to like be better at the football, like at showing the football. It it all feels to to. Maybe, I don't know if it's a budget thing or if it's a choreography thing. It just feels too bad. That's the one thing that's bad to about the show. I don't think they've ever tried to, like, they've ever tried to tell us that, like, the football is, I don't know how to, like, they literally have three coaches in their training sessions. Like, no, it's no, not anything they've. I mean, like, the you know how the football looks on the pitch? It's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, but I feel like. It's just the whole thing is just a parody. Like Okay. Fair. Yeah, like like you have three managers running coaching sessions of like twenty-five players. All they do is run around the cones and do some <laughs> like shooting practices. They never do anything serious. So yeah. it's like it's literally a club in London named Richmond. Like a no, parody of Crystal Palace. So no no tactical battles for me this year. Yeah. Fair enough. But I get what you mean, though. Like, if you watch Belair, you can see how, like, at least, like, the basketball is, like, still decent, like, in Belair, even if, like, it's not pro, you know. I was going to say, one good thing about Ted Lasso, one funny thing about Ted Lasso is that even as a football lover, you can learn things from Ted Lasso. Like, in this episode today where they're, like, 442 is so rigid, so structured, blah, blah, and he's like, who the fuck invented this? The Russians, <laughs> and they're both like, yes, they invented four four two. So yeah, that was that was an interesting fun fact for me, and I'm just yeah, excited. I to didn't see, know that either. I'm just excited to see the football jokes they come up with this season, man. Lots of things have happened since season two. Yeah, I felt like. Did you feel like you needed a recap? No, that's a, that's a strange thing. I didn't feel like I needed a recap. Like. I just trusted that wherever they dropped me in, I would be good. Like, I knew they yeah. got promoted. And yeah. they ki- they kind of recapped most of the stories in a way. So, like, they showed Rebecca being upset with Rupert. They showed Nate and Rupert and Rupert manipulating him. They showed, yeah. um, what's her name? Roy Kent and Phoebe. So, they kind of they gave us a mini recap this episode. Next... Yeah. episode the season starts and hopefully Richmond can start off with three straight victories yeah fair enough uh, fair enough actually I was just thinking the first maybe three to f- yeah three couple minutes I probably needed one but yeah like you said they just dropped us in into it and then like everything just comes back to be fair I feel like one thing I'm looking forward, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it, but seeing, I know we've touched a lot about Nate, but seeing if they would show him out of his depth, if that makes sense. Like he thought he was supposed to be the main man or he is the main man. And then maybe he realizes that this is actually harder than I thought. And like, yeah, being the boss, is not as easy, but it's interesting to see the man management skills that he has, you know, dumb, dumb. Stay over here. <laughs> this is the land. This is the dumb, dumb line. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good shot because I, I can't see that ending well for him. Yeah. 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 Like you the can't... players have to revolt at some point. Yeah. 
you can't go from Richmond to, with all due respect to Richmond, to West Ham and start telling the players this is the dumb dumb line. Yeah. But yeah, any any last thoughts on the episode? Any last things you want to say about the season or about Ted Lasso? Yeah, what would you do if your ex-wife bought your <laughs> ex-wife's man bought your kid? Oh Lord, Thanos! You know I had to double come. it. <laughs> I'll buy. I'll, I'll take that nigga to Disney World the very next day, bro. <laughs> you know that's that's the one way. If you ever want to get a man to spend money, that's the one way to. Do. Oh, you bought an Infinity Gauntlet. All right, cool. I'm taking him. I'll make him. I'll take him to meet Josh Brolin, bro. I'll oh, find man. a way. I'll figure it out. Nah. I, I, you just know Ted's head was on the moon, man. You know, they ended the episode, like, as soon as he found out, they just zoomed into his face and ended the episode. And it's like, exactly the way Ted was staring at the screen is the way I was staring at the screen, like, rocket. <laughs> what did he just say? Oh, oh man. And the kid and- now said friend as well yeah you know? and, and that's, that's that's what i'm saying that would even annoy you more because you'd be like this olodo obviously it's not a friend man you're even vexed you're, you're vexed <laughs> like you'd be like you're just like oh bless bless your little olodo head man oh my god man yeah. <laughs> no that was that was that was something <laughs> that, that that's going to be the central conflict of the season just ted and his son like it's been bubbling underneath for like season one and season two. Yeah, for but I think while, yeah. he really misses his son. And who knows, man? I don't know. They they've they've sown seeds here and there. I I wouldn't bet on him getting his family back, but yeah, I think he would end up picking his son. And but it will be tough, and he will struggle with that throughout the season because he, he some that kept coming up this episode if they're making the right decision by being here. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it's something that will um might probably play out in a way that would make all of us emotional. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Alright then. I think we've come to the end. We are excited to see where Ted Lasso takes us this season. We're all rooting for Richmond. We're all rooting for them to do something, do the impossible and bring home that Premier League trophy for Ted and his son. Or even just survive. Them just surviving will be will, will make me happy. And Ted getting his family back. Thank you everyone who's listened this far. Thank you to Abelbe and Priscilla for talking about the Mandalorian. They got me they got me to start the Mandalorian just because of how they talk about it and I'm enjoying it a lot so far. Um thank you to everyone who listens. Please remind it to rate and review us on anywhere that you listen. Currently got episodes out discussing you. We've got episodes out discussing, like I already said, The Mandalorian. We'll be covering that weekly. Same with Ted Lasso now. And we've got a couple episodes planned to discuss Yellow Jackets when it comes out. And Bankale and Priscilla just released an episode covering Rain Dogs. So please, there's something for everyone on our feed. So go have a good time. Check it out. You might not like it, you might like it, but the least you can do is try. Thank you, have a nice day, and go be the overdog and conquer the day. Peace.